up and down like that when I'm preaching. They do, except they're going, and they're falling asleep. It's a little bit different. Yeah, I've, when I hear, heard that song, I've decided that I'm going to start growing a mullet again. Uh, I got this inspired me. Uh, you know, that is probably one of uh, Bon Jovi's most popular songs, and everybody loves the song because we know that Gina and her boy, they're going to make it. You know, they're going to make it. They're, they're, they're struggling, but they're going to make it because, you know, they, they love each other, and they are living on a prayer. And so that is a secret for, if y'all just want to know, the secret for success in marriage. Love each other and live your life on a prayer, and you got it covered. 
Now, actually, this is we are, we're continuing our series, Rock Theology, and what we're doing is we're just taking some, some, you know, some classic songs from the past, and we are, we are digging out some theology from those songs. I know some of you are probably thinking, yeah, you're, you're going to have to dig pretty deep on some of these songs. But the title helps us out here on that song, Living on a Prayer. And, uh, and, and that is probably one of the best things, that's one of the best pieces of advice that you can give anyone, and that is to live your life in prayer, to live your life in prayer. Now, I, I think most of us, we, we would say that if you grew up in the church, you would talk about the importance of praying, you talk about how, uh, how incredibly blessed you've been by prayer, but it's one thing to talk about prayer, but it's another thing to live by prayer to live your life on prayer. And, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. What does it mean to live our lives on prayer, to live our lives in prayer? And not, not just simply talking about it, but allowing prayer to affect and to impact our lives in a powerful way. Because I believe this about praying. I believe that whenever we are people who are committed to prayer, whenever we are a people who are in tune with God and we are connected to God, that there is a great adventure that comes in living. There is something powerful that happens where we are able to see things and experience things that other people don't get to see and don't get to experience because they are connected in a relationship with God. And so what we're going to do today is in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see what I believe is really a great description of a man who lived his life in prayer. And it's a story about a man who was a, a, a prophet in the Old Testament. His name was Elijah. And in the story that we're going to be looking at about Elijah's, we're going to see that he was a man who was not interested in popular opinion. He was not a man who was interested in what people had to say. He was a man who was interested in what God had to say. And whenever we look at his life, and if we decide that we're going to live like he lived... If we decide we're going to live like Elijah lived, then we are going to live a life that is filled with adventure. And we're going to see things, and we're going to experience things that other people never see, and other people never experience. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to look in verse number 41. And so if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. But as you're turning there, I'll give you a little, uh, a little bit of background information about who this text is about. Uh, the man who was king of Israel during this time was a man named Ahab. Now, if you don't know much about Ahab, I'll, I'll share a few things with you. Ahab was a tremendously ungodly king. He was not a good man. He was married to a woman whose name was Jezebel. Now, that right there should tell you all that you need to know. I mean, her name is you know, synonymous with not a very good person. Any of y'all have any relatives named Jezebel? You don't. Now, nobody names their kids Jezebel. And the reason why is Jezebel and Ahab, they were an evil couple. Uh, they were a couple who were opposed to God. They were a couple who were pagan worshipers. They built foreign, uh, they built foreign altars to worship other gods. And finally, God got to a place where he'd had enough. In 1 Kings 16... Ahab and Jezebel were so evil, they even had some of their children sacrificed to the god Molech. And so God was going to send judgment. And God had his prophet Elijah tell Ahab and tell Israel that a drought was coming. He said, it's not going to rain again. 
And that's exactly what happened. As a matter of fact, it did not rain for three years. And, and leading up to the text we've just read, God had, a, or had Elijah confront Ahab to a, a battle, a challenge, to find out whose God is the real God. And if you know that story, you know that Elijah built an altar, and he had the, the, the false prophets build an altar. He said, let's see whose God's real. Whoever's God sends down fire from heaven to burn up an altar. That's the real God. And so Elijah just ups the ante, and he says, watch this. And he gets a bunch of water, and he pours it all around his altar, all over the altar. And he said, I'm not even going to make mine wet. And then, and then what happened? Well, God had fire come down, and it consumed Elijah's altar, and the false god's altar it just stayed there. I mean, absolutely unbelievable, miraculous victory that Elijah was able to see. And I believe he was able to see that because he was a man who lived his life in prayer. And he was connected to God, and he knew what God had promised, and so his life was filled with adventure. So, so here's the question for you, and for, for you and for me. How can we live our lives in prayer? And what are the adventures that come when we live our life in prayer? And I want to share with you the first one. The first adventure that comes with living life on prayer is you will see things before others. You will, you will see things that other people don't even see in life. Uh, let, let me read to you in verse number 41. It says, Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a rainstorm. And so Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the summit of Carmel, and he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. And then he said to his servant, Go up and look toward the sea. And so he went up, he looked, and he said, there's nothing. And seven times Elijah said, go back. Now, as I said earlier, what was, what was happening at this time is there's a great drought that was going on in Israel. It had not rained in three years. The, the situation was, was so severe that, that people were dying. As a matter of fact, you can see the severity of the, of the drought in 1 Kings 17, verse number 12. Elijah had traveled to this lady's house, and when he got there, she was a widow, and he asked her to make him something to eat. And here's how she replied to him. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked. Only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now, I'm gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Now, the drought was so severe. I mean, this, this is a lady that she doesn't have much of a future. You know, she's not looking forward to a whole lot of things in life. There's no relief in sight. She said, this is all I've got left, and we're going to have one last meal, and then we're just going to starve to death and die. And then that's how dire the situation was. And then one chapter later, we get to the story we're in right now. And we see Elijah goes to King Ahab, and he says something unbelievable. He says, Ahab, I, I hear the sound of a rainstorm. It's not rained in three years. There, there are no clouds in the sky. People were desperate for food. But he was able to say that because, guys, that is what happens whenever we live our lives on a prayer. You're able to see things that other people can't see. You're able to anticipate a move of God when nobody else sees it coming. So here's the question I start off with in the lesson. Why in the world did Elijah believe it was going to rain? And it's real simple. 
because God said it was going to. Uh, all the way back in chapter 18, the very first verse, here's what God told, told uh, Elijah. He said, after a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year of the drought. He said, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the surface of the land. And he said, I want you to go and present yourself to Ahab. That word present, it means to confront God told Elijah, he said, I want you to have a showdown with King Ahab about whose God is greater. And he said, and if you will do that, he said, I'm going to send rain and I'm going to prove myself to you. If you are obedient to me and you listen to me, God said, I will reveal myself to you. Now guys, here's the deal. Whenever we spend time in prayer with God, whenever we spend time reading what God's word has to say, there's going to be something you're going to discover. And that is that God makes a whole lot of promises to his people in the Bible. Over 3,000 of them in the Bible. A lot of promises. And whenever God makes a promise, God does something every single time. You know what it is? He keeps them. When God makes a promise, he keeps his promises. Now, now it's easy for me to say that. It's easy for me to say, I believe that God keeps his promises. Where it becomes difficult is whenever I decide I'm going to live my life in belief that God keeps his word. That's what Elijah did in our text here. Before it ever rained, Elijah said, I'm believing that God's going to keep his word. He said, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. And and he was willing to to let other people know about what God had to say. Now, you have to understand, the people could not stand Elijah at this time. Ahab hated Elijah. He wanted him dead. He had the power to make Elijah dead. But Elijah didn't back down. Elijah lived on a prayer. He lived in the promises of God. He staked his life on what God had promised. And he confronted Ahab, and as I said earlier, he built an altar, and God consumed that altar with fire, and everybody knew who the real God was, and Elijah was filled with confidence. He's filled with confidence because he saw God come through for him. Now, I don't know about y'all, but don't you desire for something like that to happen in your life? where you see God move, where you know God is leading you in a certain way, where you sense in your heart that God has given you a promise, and then you act on that promise saying, I believe that it's going to happen, and then you get to see it happen. Doesn't that sound good to you? I mean, I I, I look at that, and I think I want stuff like that to happen in my life. That's how Elijah lived. He said, God promised rain. So what does that mean? It means it's going to rain. What we see in our text is that Elijah, as he's with his servant, he told his servant, he said, I want you to go from the top of this mountain, look out towards the Mediterranean Sea, and tell me what you see. Now, why did he do that? Because he was waiting for the rain to start coming. Now, if I was sending a servant out, I would look forward to my servant coming back and saying, man, the clouds are dark, lightning's everywhere, it is thundering like crazy, unbelievable. But that's not what happened. The servant goes out, he looks, and when he comes back to Elijah, Elijah said, what did you see? What did he say? Nothing. Okay, at this point, because this is who I am, I'd be in panic mode. What do you mean, what do you mean nothing? God said it was going to rain. Not, any, not anything there? Come on, God, you, I, I'm sticking my neck out on the line for you. But that's not what Elijah did. What did Elijah do? Elijah looked at him and very simply said, go back. 
Now, now, why did he tell him that? Because he could see things that others couldn't see because God had given him a promise and God said it's going to rain and he was trusting that God's word was true, so he said, go back. He was confident. You know, last, uh, last month, there was a big football game on television. It was uh, Clemson versus Alabama. And I know that many of you watched that game and as, as you watched the game, it came, you know, it came up, what was the late, Clemson scored, what was it, one second left? One or two seconds left, they scored at the end of the game to win the game. Now, now how many of y'all watched that game? How many of y'all watched that game? Okay, now, okay, you can put your hands down. How many of y'all are Clemson fans? Okay, everybody in orange uh, already, yes. Okay, so there's some Clemson fans in here. Okay, now, and, you, and y'all are all proud. Last, first service, we had a guy that lifted up both hands, and he was going like this, number one. And so he's real excited. Okay, but I, I'll tell you this. When there was about three seconds left in that game, he wasn't doing that. You're chewing your nails down to the, you know, right down there to the quick, scared to death, thinking, man, I hope, I hope we can pull this thing. You're nervous. I mean, you're, I'm sure your stomach was all, all in knots, but then the miracle happened, right? And so now y'all are, everybody's, Clemson fans are excited, incredible game. Okay, now I guarantee you this, every time that game from now on comes on ESPN Classic, I, I know y'all will watch it every time it comes on. You're going to sit down, you're going to pull out a bowl of popcorn, and when it gets down to that last few seconds, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and just smile, and you're going to pound that popcorn right in your mouth. And you're, going to be, you're not going to have one knot in your stomach. Now, why is that? You already know who won. You're, you already know, you're, the game, you already know who won the championship. Okay, now I, that's the sense I want you to have about where Elijah is in our text. Elijah says, go and tell me if rain's coming. It's not coming. He's just sitting back eating popcorn going, it's going to though. We're going to be just fine. He was able to relax. You see, God had already given a promise. So he was able to see the end before everybody else did. Now what about you? When, when it comes to God's promises, do you believe them? And not just believe them, but do you live in light of those promises. When, whenever you see a person who is broken by addiction, uh, whenever you see a person who is who has lost all of his confidence because of a betrayal of a spouse, whenever you see a person who is living their life in immor immorality, are you able to look and say, I know if God simply got a hold of you, change your life that if God touches your life he can transform you and use you like you never dreamed before you see I believe this I believe there's a lot of victories that are left out on the battlefield because too many of us have quit because we've given up not not believing in the promises of God because sometimes we feel like well I've had to wait for so long I just don't think they're ever going to happen well, I, I look at the adventure that Elijah was able to live in because Elijah, very simply, he, he was able to see things before others did because he trusted God. But, but here's another adventure that I see that comes with living on a prayer, and that is when, when you're living on a prayer and you're living in prayer, you're going to persist in your prayers. You're going to persist in them. Now look with me in verse number 43. It says, Then he, Elijah, said to his servant, Go up and look toward the sea. And so he went up and he looked and he said, Well, there's nothing. Seven times, that's the key part, seven times Elijah said, go back. Elijah told King Ahab, he said, you need to, you need to go ahead. He goes, it's, I know it hadn't rained in three years, but man, it's time to start celebrating. It's getting ready to rain. 
I mean, he's talking big right here. And so then after he does that, he, he tells his servant, he said, go look towards the Mediterranean and tell me what you see. He comes back and says, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything. There's nothing there. Now, that's not what I would have wanted to hear. And, and, and if that was me, I'd say, well, I'm going to go take a look for myself. You know, maybe, maybe he doesn't have good vision. But, but Elijah did not get up to go take a peek for himself. Now, now why is that? Well, because, one, God had already told him it was going to rain. But he didn't have time to go look because of what Elijah was doing. You know what he was doing each time he told his servant to go back? He was praying. If you, if you look in verse 42, it says he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. Now, Elijah knew that God had promised rain. So he continued to pray for rain until it came. Now, I think I would have been okay when the servant came back the first couple of times and said, I don't see anything yet. But think about this. Can you imagine the third and the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth time the servant came back and said, nothing there. How, how do you think you would have responded? I, to, be, to be honest with you, I, I probably would have been at a point where I said, well, maybe God didn't, maybe, maybe I misunderstood God. You know, I probably would have turned to my servant and said, you know what, let's just go ahead and pack up and leave. I'm already embarrassed enough. You know, it's time for us to head out and get off of this mountain. But, but that's not what Elijah did. Elijah heard God. He'd been praying for rain. And he believed God had promised it. So he said, I'm going to continue to pray for it until it happens. See, a lot of times, God, God doesn't work on your timetable or mine. God works on, on his timetable. And he calls for us to persist in our prayers until God does what he says he's going to do. Now, it doesn't mean that we are forcing God to keep his promises. We don't ever do that. See, whenever we persist in our prayers, what we are doing, when you are persistent in your prayers, you are demonstrating your faith in God that he's going to keep his word. And that's, that's what Jesus basically said. Jesus said in Luke 11, 9 through 10, he said, So I say to you, keep asking. He said, It will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, says he receives. And the one who searches finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, I believe a lot of us miss out on the blessings of God because of a lack of persistence. Because we give up. You know, because we quit. I mean, what would have happened had Elijah not sent his servant back the seventh time? And he said, let's just pack up and head on out of here. He would have missed out on seeing God answer his prayer. He would have missed out on God affirming his word. You know, backstage at a, at a circus, motivational speaker Jim Donovan was able to get a tour. And he, he wanted to see the, the elephants, and so he went back. And as he was looking at them, he was, he was intrigued by how they kept the elephants in place. And they had this little, like, leather, leather strap that was tied around the elephant's ankle, and it was attached to a stake. He thought that was strange, because the elephants are huge. And he's looking at it, and he's like, how, how come they don't, you know, how come they're just staying there? Why don't they just yank that thing out of the ground? Because it really wasn't that significant of a, of a strap. And uh, the, the manager told him, he said, well, he goes, what we do is that when the elephants are younger, so we use that same strap and that same stake, and we tie them down. And he said, when they're younger, they, they try to kick out of it, and they try, to, they try to get free from that stake. He said, but, but they can't. He said, they're too small at that point. He said, but after a period of time, what happens is as, as they've had so many failures, eventually, he said, they just quit. And they give up. 
He says, now they're larger and they're bigger, and it wouldn't take a whole lot for them to break free from that stake. He said, but they don't do it because a long time ago, they decided to quit trying. And I thought, man, that's an interesting story. You know, there, there's a lot of us who are, who are like those elephants in our prayer life. You know, some of us, we, we sense a burden where God is calling us to pray for someone or to, to reach out to someone, to minister to someone, to, to tell somebody about Jesus. And yet when the opportunity doesn't present itself immediately or whenever we pray for, for somebody to be touched and blessed and healed or whatever it might be, and it doesn't happen according to our timetable, then we give up and quit. And then I think, I wonder how many times I've done that and I've missed out on seeing God's answer. Elijah, Elijah didn't do that. And, and I look at that and I see that the answer or the lesson for living your life on a prayer is you persist in your prayer when God lays it on your heart until you see him answer. Because when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And then there's adventures that come with living your life on a prayer. You see things before others. You're going to persist in your prayers. And this is the last one I want you to see. And I, I love this one. You, 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 when you live your life in prayer, it's an adventure because this is why you're going to prepare for God's answer before it ever happens. You, you prepare for God's answer before it ever happens. Look in verse 44. It says, On the seventh time, the servant reported, There's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming from the sea. And then Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Get your chariot ready, go down so that the rain doesn't stop you. In a little while, the sky grew dark with clouds and wind, and there was a downpour. So Ahab got in his chariot and went to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord was on Elijah. He tucked his mantle under his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, this is a, this is a neat story. So the seventh time, Elijah tells the servant, he says, go look towards the sea, tell me what you see. That's where storms would always blow in from. So he walks up there, he looks, he comes back and sees, says, I, I see a cloud. About the size of a man's hand. Okay, that's not real big. And so I love, I love Elijah's response. Say, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand, and then Elijah says, go tell Ahab, get off the mountain, because there's getting ready to be a gully washer. Isn't that cool? Not, not one drop of rain has fallen yet. He only sees a cloud as big as his hand, and Elijah said, yep, it's coming. It's getting ready to happen. And so what we see is before the prayer is ever answered, what's Elijah doing? He is preparing for God's answer. Because God's promised. And if God promised, he knows it's going to happen, so he said, we better get ready. You know what we call this? We call this faith. He has faith in God. And what God says, there's a biblical definition of faith. It's in Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of, of what is not seen. For our ancestors won God's approval by it. I want to live like that. I want to live in confidence in what God says, believing that when he says it, it's going to happen. I, I, just, I read a book that I finished in the fall. It's a book on prayer. It's called The Circle Maker. It's by a guy named Mark Batterson. As a matter of fact, I, I, the book was, it just really meant a lot to me. And next, next month, we're going to do a series of messages on prayer. A lot of it's going to come from, from this book. It's by a guy named Mark Batterson. But he had something really interesting that he said in the book that I liked a lot. He said, prayer is asking God to do something. And that's, that's future tense. 
He said, when you praise God, when you praise God, he said this, you're praising that he's already and believing that he's already done it. So that's past tense. So when you pray, you're praying for the future. When you praise him, you praise him as if he's already done it. Past tense. Prime example of this in the Bible is a story of Noah. God told Noah, he said, I'm going to send a flood. I'm going to send a flood and I'm going to judge the world. You remember what Noah did right after that? What, what, what's Noah famous for? He built a boat. Had it, it hadn't rained yet. Hadn't started raining yet, but Noah said, God said it's going to rain. I'm going to start getting ready for it. He starts building a boat. Now, everybody made fun of him until it started raining. And then when it started raining, Noah was able to get on the boat because he was prepared, and he was able to save and spare the lives of his family and give creation a new start. Y'all, it is never, it is never a whole lot of fun when you get caught off guard. That's one of the great things about prayer. You're not going to get caught off guard. When, when you believe what God says, you're not going to be caught off guard. When you trust in what God says, you'll never get caught off guard. But when you're caught off guard, man, it's, un, it's uncomfortable. Uh, there's a story about a man who was the, he was the director of the London Philharmonic in the, in the uh, 18th or 19th century. His name was Thomas Beecham. And it's a great story. He said he, was, he had just finished a performance. And he said after the performance was over, people were coming up to them and you know, just shaking their hands, telling them what a wonderful job they did. He says one lady was talking to him. He said she looked so familiar. He said, I could not figure out who she was. He said, I couldn't remember her name, but I, just, I knew I knew her from somewhere. And he said as we talked, he said I began to remember she had a brother. And he said, but I couldn't remember her brother's name. He said, so I was trying to figure out their names, so I thought I'd bring up her brother. And he said, hey, he said I told her, I said, hey, how's your brother doing, by the way? Does he still have the same job? And she smiled. She said, my brother's doing very well, and, and yes, he's still the king. Now, that was a guy who was caught a little off guard. Elijah was not caught off guard. When, when he heard God's promise, he started getting ready for it. And, and his act of faith, his trust in God, it showed what his faith was all about. Guys, our, our faith is not something that we just talk about. Our faith is something that we live. And if we're going to make a difference in other people's lives, they're not really going to, they're not going to pay so much attention as to what you say. They're going to pay attention to what you do. James 2, 14 through 18 basically says this. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but he doesn't have works? Can his faith save him? A brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs. What good is that? In the same way, faith that doesn't have works is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith from my works. Elijah did not just talk about his faith in God. He lived it out. And that is the challenge for me and you today. Will we do more than just simply talk about our faith? Will we live in faith? Will we, will we trust that when God leads us, that when he says his word, when he directs us, that he will fulfill what he has promised? Because if you will trust him and believe him, and if I will do that, and we as a church will do that, y'all, it'll be an adventure for us. It'll be fun for us. Because we're going to see what other people don't see. And we're going to persist in our prayers until... God answers those prayers because we believe he's going to. And then finally, we're going to begin to prepare for God's answer. Are we doing that? Here's what I believe about Village Church. I believe this about our church. I believe God put us here for a reason. It's really interesting. When we first came here, 
when this building was first built, there was nobody on this road. Have y'all noticed that there's trees missing around here? Like, oh my gosh, like the sun, like when I pull out of the parking and I, I turn left, the sun is in my face now. It used to never be in my face. There's people that are here, and I'm like, I want, do, do you ever want, I mean, I do. I, say, I wonder if God knew that was going to happen. I think he did. And I don't think it's any coincidence that we are right here. I believe God placed us here for a reason. I, I believe God, for our church, God has placed us here in order to be a witness for Jesus. God has placed us here in order to make an impact in this community. God has placed us here because there are people who are coming from all over the country who don't know who Jesus is, but we do. And God has called us to tell them. Now, it's easy to say that. It's another thing to begin to prepare to do that and then to actually do it. Let's do it. I really believe God has us here for a reason. He has us here on purpose. So let's reach out. Let's, make it, let's begin to pray. Say, God, use us. Use this church to impact the lives of the people that are already here and the people that are moving here. For some of us, it's, it's time for us to begin that, that process of living on a prayer by calling out to God in prayer and surrendering ourselves to him and telling him, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. Jesus, I'm going to trust you. When you say that you can forgive me, Lord, I'm going to believe that. Lord, when you say that there is eternal life that you have for me, Jesus, I'm going to claim that I'm going to hang on to that. And Jesus, I'm going to live for you. Live on a prayer. For some of you, maybe since God calling you, maybe for a long time, to reach out to a neighbor. You know, you might have one of those neighbors that's near you and you think, I really, I need to get to know him. I need to befriend them. I need to approach them and tell them that I'm praying for them, that I care for them. I need to invite them into the church. If you sense God pressing that on your heart, then do it. Just simply live in faith. Live on a prayer and begin to pray for it. Say, God, prepare that person. I'm going to do what I believe you're calling me to do and then see what God's going to do. It's an adventure. For, for others of you, it could be that God is, is leading you and has been leading you to invest your life here at Village Church, to be a part of this church, to serve here, to invest here. Do it. You know, to trust Him. Trust God. Say, God, I really believe you're leading me here, so I'm going to, I'm going to be here. I'm going to invest. I'll, I'll sign up for the discovery class. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to live on a prayer because, God, I believe that you've led me here. Guys, that there are so many adventures that we can live, so many things that we can see if we will live on a prayer and trust that when God gives promises that he keeps them. Let's not just talk about it, let's live it.